morning. Let's stand. Oh, oh, yep. I waited for Pat to almost sit down. <laughs> it is so good to see your faces. My name is Kayla, Kayla Cave. And uh, I can't meet everyone, so I want to say hello at this moment. Hi, I know, it's this section. I really want to get out there to meet you guys, but you guys run before I can. <laughs> so my name's Kayla. Nice to meet you. It is really good to have y'all here and to worship, worship our Father together. It's just so powerful, so powerful when we come together. Online, good morning. I know I was forgetting something. So Father, we love you. Father, we really love you. Let us be here for you this morning. Find us willing and open to hear from your spirit. Let this be a place where you long to come as we make a way for your love. And let these hands be clean and these hearts be pure. Blameless as the bride you're coming for it's the power of your presence that changes us your glory all around us and we're undone you open up the heavens and fall afresh on us So let this be a house where you long to stay. Ever will you meet us face to face. Abandoned here before you, we want nothing else than just to be with you and you alone. It's the power of your presence that changes us, your glory all around us. And we're undone, you open up the heavens and fall afresh on us. Come fall afresh on us. Scripture says, let the children come, right? They are not a distraction. They are adding to the kingdom, right? Let's sing that chorus again. Come follow. 
so much um, for the faithfulness and the charity and the trusting of your people. Lord, I ask for your blessing upon this in the characters of Christ that they grow in us. And Father, we just, we invite your Holy Spirit, not just in this room today, but to guide us in everything that we do every transaction, with every human, with, with all of our finances, Lord, we require your guidance. 
Father, thank you for the transformation in our minds, in our hearts about our relationship with money. That we, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be in the bondage of debt. We don't have to be slaves to money. We see what you see. We see that this is just a substance that's getting us through. The real currency is the love for you, Lord. And the more we give that out, the more we'll see great transformation in our community. Lord, guide us in our giving, guide us in our receiving. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have our, what did they already show it? But uh, our, we have our ways of giving. It's the box outside, our mailbox, our website, newlifehistoria.com, and the church center app. Thanks. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever stay. You're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
We've got some kids with us. Come on. We also have some teenagers in the back. Can we give it up for the teenagers in the back? Come on. Uh, in the story of the Bible in the Old Testament, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and you've probably heard this story before. Um, and God delivers them out of Egypt, and He's completely transforming their identity, and He's setting the pace for what it is to be a child of God. He's setting the tone, what it means to be a child of God. And he tells Moses and he tells the leaders, he says, hey, when you address my children, I want you to say this. And it's a number six. And uh, I always tell my kids that prayer is uh, wireless. So if, if you could agree with me and agree with this prayer, um, we're going to send these prayers with our children before they go to children's church. With our teenagers, you guys are going to go downstairs. Um, just agree with me here. It's in number six, verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. Yes. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. Children, you are blessed and dismissed. 
So we got second and fifth is gonna go upstairs. Teenagers, you guys are gonna go downstairs. We love you, you guys are amazing. Everybody. Everybody that is staying, would you turn to your neighbor and say, bless you. And if you are from the South, can you just say, bless your heart? Come on, bless your heart. I did spend some years in uh, the South and I do know what that means, but we are trying to redeem the blessings. So you can be seated. We are not gonna tell the story about the time I got beat up today. Does anybody wanna hear that story? Okay, one day, one day, if Pastor Andy lets me preach ever again, uh, we, will, we will do that maybe. Would you open up your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew 22, Matthew 22, and I was listening to a podcast, do we have any podcast listeners here? Yeah, okay. Just get through your commute, you know, your Clatsop County 15-minute long, arduous commute. Am I the only person that goes through podcasts 15 minutes at a time? Come on, anybody? So I was listening to this podcast, and, and I've had this uh, on my heart to preach, and Pastor Andy said, hey, you know, I want you to speak this, this Sunday. I said, okay. Um, but I happened to listen to this podcast, and this gentleman was sharing um, that really puts like the picture in front of you that I want to convey this morning. Um, and he said this, he said, he, you know, gets on Twitter, he never tweets, he just always reads, okay? Anybody kind of a social media person like that? You just, you're always scrolling but never posting? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. Um, he said this, and this, this person that posted this uh, isn't a churchgoer, doesn't believe in Jesus, um, does not, you know, subscribe to our faith. And the comment was, uh, before we teach the Bible in our schools, perhaps we should teach the Bible in our churches. Come on. Before we push our, our faith in school, perhaps we should push our faith in church. And, and the brunt of that, the, the thrust of that is that even the world knows that people who call themselves Christians are not doing the things that Jesus told us to do. Come on, turn around. I am talking to you. I am talking to me. I actually, on Friday, God bless my family and the school system that has decided that fathers should go on field trips. <laughs> bless your heart, school system. And, I, and there was a, another mother there, and I was about to make a snide remark. I was about to say something that was undercutting and I knew would hurt their feelings, and it was about to come out of my mouth, and then I stopped. And I was like, ugh, this is exactly what I'm about to preach on Sunday. Perhaps I should not. The, the sad reality is that most of us don't get up on Sundays and preach 
And therefore, sometimes we get on social media, sometimes we interact with our children, sometimes we say things or do things to our partners and our most loved people in our families that does not look like Jesus, that does not look like we are children of God, but rather jerks. Anybody? Am I the only offender here this morning? Internet, I see you. Okay, we all see you, Internet. Okay? So this morning, we're going to get into a very wildly basic principle of our faith. Okay? Um, And we're just going to get back to the basics. Anybody cool with that? All right? We, um, well, let's just get into it. Matthew 22 Verse 34, Matthew 22, verse 34, but, everybody say, but. But. Didn't think you were going to say that in church, did you? (laughs) Tisk, tisk, it's going to get worse. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, that Jesus was this debating ninja, you can read before that, Jesus gets out of some tricky situations all right, with philosophy and religion. They, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And I'll just throw this out there, okay? And I'm going to switch things up a little bit, make it a little bit more American. You guys cool with that? But when the Democrats heard that he had silenced the Republicans with his reply, they met together to question him again and see where he stood on the issues. One of them, an expert in religious law, now we're gonna get back to the Bible, okay? That was just for fun. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and yes, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Translation, you should love God like 100%, okay? I joking with Kayla just earlier, you know, 30% of the time, I am great 100% of the time, Right? Well, Jesus says, 100% of the time, you should 100% love God, okay? Anybody, is this like wild new territory for anybody? No, okay? Which is why we're not going to dwell on it for very much, okay? God is God. I'm a human. He deserves everything that I can give him, right? I was just talking to somebody about people going to hell and sending people to hell, and I said, well, luckily, I'm not in charge of that, right? <laughs> okay? I, that's not my department. I'm not in, I, I don't have any say in that situation, so bless your heart. A second, and here we go. This is the one we're going to camp on, okay? This is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39. A second is equally important. Turn to your neighbor and say, equally. equally. Turn to your other neighbor and say, like the same. Okay? One is the same as one, okay? Two is the same as two. Two equals two, if you want to get mathematical. Jesus says the first and greatest is to love God 100%, and the second one is equally important. 
And I'm going to translate this the way that we typically translate this second equally important greatest commandment from God. Be nice to other people. Be nice to other people. Love your neighbor as yourself translates in the Christian world, in America, in the general idea of manners, be nice, right? Be nice to other people. But that is not what Jesus said. There is a difference between being nice and being kind. There is a difference between placating and, 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 you know, oh, bless your heart, being nice and polite and being kind and being genuine and being authentic and genuinely caring for the well-being of the people that you're interacting with, right? Because sometimes I am nice to people because I want them to like me. And I don't tell them the truth and I don't tell them things that would be good for them. And I, don't, and I don't share the reality of the situation because I don't want them to think that I'm mean because I'm a Christian and Christians should be nice. But that's not in the Bible. Jesus says, equally, love your neighbor as yourself. Say as. as. I said it was going to get worse. You guys all said as. The whole, the, this entire commandment rests on this one big as. This word right here has the power to undermine the entire thing. Because when we read, love your neighbor as yourself, God help me, I'm getting worked up. We think, love our neighbor, be nice to them, treat them kindly, you know, you know, just don't ruffle any feathers, don't rock the boat, don't cause any problems. And we mistreat ourselves. And the foundation of our love for other people is built on garbage. The way that we speak to ourselves the way that we treat ourselves, the way that we allow other people to treat ourselves is often garbage. Because we think we're just supposed to be nice to people. And that's not what Jesus said. Now I've doggone lost my spot. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law. Listen to this. Jesus is telling us the entire commandments of God, the entire requirements of God's commands to his children, and he says, and the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, that is, the people who speak for God, have spoken for God, will speak for God, the entirety of God's communication with us rests on these two things, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Kai, can you put that definition up there? Love does not equal nice, okay? 
Love means to care for someone or something in such a way that it grows toward health and vitality. To care for someone or something in such a way that it grows towards health and vitality. How many of us are guilty of treating ourselves in a way that is damaging? That it leads to apathy? That it leads to harm? I have one of my favorite people in the entire world cusses himself out regularly. He is a stupid, good-for-nothing, worthless pile constantly. Anybody ever said things like that to yourself? Gosh, I'm such an idiot. Am I the only self-proclaimed idiot? (laughs) Right? Where in the Bible have you ever heard God say, my children are idiots? Where in the Bible have we ever seen Jesus say, you worthless pile? You don't see it because God doesn't make garbage. And in fact, God thinks that we are so valuable that he sent his only son to die for us. He said, wow, that's a big deal right there. You see my boy, Pat? That, he is a big deal. Yes, he is like 6'5", okay? <laughs> he is worth paying the ultimate price, right? Anybody ever jump on eBay and you see something that you really, 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 really want and you know that if you tell your spouse how much you're going to pay for that thing, you will be in trouble. (laughs) So in the name of matrimony, we do not pay for that thing. Maybe. (laughs) If we just put all of the tools in the shop, she'll never see them. Right? (laughs) Love, to care for someone or something in such a way that it goes towards health and vitality. You and I are different. You and the person sitting next to you is different. My wife and I have a sickness. It's not been diagnosed by a professional yet, but we have a sickness Um, I don't think it's contagious, but maybe it is, all right? At the beginning of this summer, we had four houseplants. It was tasteful. It was neat. It went well together, right? There's a general feng shui about the place. We had a friend join our home, pick up her child, and she dropped in, and she said, wow, you have more plants than the last time I was here. We have 30 plants, folks. There are 30 plants. We have killed other plants to create shelves for our plants. It is a problem. We almost didn't make it to the pumpkin patch because I 
I proposed, I tried to lure my wife into not going to the pumpkin patch, not using the gasoline to go all the way to Hillsborough, not buying pumpkins that will rot. Okay. (laughs) And in fact, perhaps we stop at the junction of 101 and 26 and peruse seven Ds. (laughs) We spend the money here. She almost did it, okay? (laughs) But the reality is we went there, we spent the money, and on our way back, she was like, do you want to stop at 7Ds? (laughs) We only have so much money, sweetheart. We only have so much money. Um, And the reason I bring this up is because different plants need different things. We have killed a lot of plants, okay? (laughs) We have killed a lot of plants. Um, The 30 are the only ones that made it. (laughs) Some need to be facing the sun on the south side of the house, right? Some need to be watered. Some need to be spritzed. Some need to be, you know, underwatered. That's right. I know what that is, okay? Root rot is a real thing. Some plants need a little bit of this and not too much of that. And other plants need some of this and not that. You, oh man, now I can just think about plants. (laughs) You are unique. I am unique, but you already knew that. We all need different things, right? And I wonder how my plants feel when I, as the master gardener of the house, am intelligently flowering, placing, propagating, and then to my horror, find that a succulent is drowning because one of my beautiful children decided, oh my gosh, this needs water. (laughs) No, it doesn't, right? And I'm like, I'm blotting the soil, trying to get the water out. It's a sickness. Love, to care for someone or something in such a way that it grows toward health and vitality. My wife needs friends besides me. I am her best friend. I am her best friend, but I've come to the conclusion that I cannot be her only friend. Okay? Conversely, she is my best friend, and I only need one friend. Anybody? Anybody with me? Yeah? Yeah? One good friend and a good book, and we are set. Right? Okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. One of my favorite uh, complaints about pastors, um, and yes, there are quite a few of them, um, is that pastors pick and choose different verses and, oh, pull this out of context and, ooh, pull this. Um, But I will have you know that Jesus does the same thing. So I'm going to do it too. Jesus actually, in this situation, 
puts two random verses together and says, these are the two greatest commandments. And the second one, the one that we're going to focus on and that we are focusing on, um, is in Leviticus 19, plucked out of a plethora of commandments, okay? If you want to, turn to Leviticus 19, 18. Leviticus 19, 18. We are talking about loving ourselves or loving our neighbor as ourself. And I want to say this. If you are not good at loving yourself, you're probably not very good at loving other people. Your ability to love yourself and to be aware of what makes you grow and what brings life and vitality is the limit. It is the thing that is limiting your ability to love other people authentically. So if you want to love other people, start with the man or woman in the mirror. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. Okay? Um, don't be a jerk. Forgive other people, right? I mean, how hard is this? Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. But, 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 you don't know what they did to me. But, 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 they're a real meanie. They deserve it. Anybody ever thought that? Ooh, I just want to get them, right? Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. So, um, just to nerd out a little bit, okay? Uh, languages are fun, they're exciting. Um, I, I'm a huge fan, okay? I only know one, but I'm really comfortable with it. When God says, don't bear a grudge, okay? Don't seek revenge, but he's contrasting two things. He's contrasting two things, meaning don't do this, do this, and they are connected, right? It is a binary option. You can have option A, or you can have option B. How many of us are guilty of bearing a grudge against ourselves? How many of us are upset about something we did yesterday or last week or last month and our spouse has completely forgotten about it but we are still living in shame and guilt over that thing that we did and our children have forgot it and our bosses forgot it and we are living in shame against ourselves Bible says that Satan is the advocate, not the advocate, he is the accuser and Jesus is the advocate. There's this battle going back and forth and that Satan's job is to accuse us and tell us, you did this, you did that. And frankly, Satan doesn't even need to do anything because we're doing his job for him. 
I am way better at keeping score about my own morality, my own ethics, the way that I treated other people and double-guessing myself and not living in the freedom that Jesus died for me to have. Do not seek revenge. Anybody ever punish themselves? Like somehow, if you do enough penance, if you put yourself into enough bad situations that it will earn some kind of freedom from that thing, and yet it's never enough. I can never be good enough to satisfy my own shame. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against the fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. We having fun? So wildly quiet in church. And I like to think that's because you guys are thinking very hard. Okay? Well, we're going to tell a story in Mark. If you want to open or turn to Mark, okay? It's Mark 10, verse 46. And this is going to go back to what is love? What is love? It is to treat someone or something in such a way that it grows towards health and vitality, including yourself. This is Jesus. He is on the top of the world. He has just defeated everybody. He is rocking and rolling. His ministry has some momentum, okay? He doesn't even have to pay for ads on Facebook because there's enough organic reach. People, there is name recognition with Jesus. People know who he is. People know, people are going, volunteers, people who are not even part of his campaign are running ahead saying, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Oh my gosh, it's Jesus! Okay? If you don't like screaming, there's going to be screaming in this next story. Fair warning. Mark 10, verse... 46, then they reached Jericho, that is Jesus and his posse. As Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. This would be the equivalent of Bartimaeus sliding into Jesus' DMs, okay? Ew, hello, it's me, blind Bart. Verse 46, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. That is inappropriate, okay? Nobody cares about you, Bart. You deserve everything that's coming to you. Bart, gosh, Bart, if you would just be better, Bart, come on, Bart, shut up, Bart. Literally, that's what it says. Be quiet, exclamation point. Many of the people yelled at him, but Bart didn't care about other people. Bart cared about Bart enough to keep screaming for the thing that he needed. 
But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard somebody screaming loudly, randomly in the crowd, he stopped and said, Did somebody say my name? Hey, who is yelling at me? Any parents in here? You get that? Which one of you is yelling at me? Which one of you is pounding on the bathroom door? This is my only moment of solace. Jesus goes, I mean, can you imagine? There's a huge crowd, right? People, I mean, Jesus is the hot thing, okay? People are thronging around him, and some dude that is on the ground, he's blind, he's screaming, and Jesus is like, who's yelling at me? Get that guy over here. I am Jesus, I will not be yelled at. (laughs) Jesus says, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, buddy, it's your lucky day. Come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus jumped up from the intersection at Fred Myers in 101. (laughs) Internet, I see you. Come on, he's calling you. Bart throws aside his coat, jumps up, and comes to Jesus, okay? And Jesus asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus says, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Woo-hoo. Jesus does another great thing. Golf clap, right? Like, how many of these do we have to read, right? How many times do we have to read something incredible, some life-changing thing, before we, like, oh, Whoa, like that's a big deal, right? But we've heard this story before. Raise your hand if you've heard this story before. Internet, I want one of those yellow hands. Come on, come on, put your yellow hand up, okay? Yes, we're in Clatsop County. Most of the hands are yellow, okay? But I see that brown hand. Thank you, thank you, okay? We hear this story, (whistles) woo-hoo, like way to go, like you're Jesus, that's what you're supposed to do, good for you. Have you ever stopped and logically thought about how ridiculous this story is? Right? How ridiculous this story is. We have Jesus in one corner, who is Jesus, who needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyways, okay? He is perfect. He's never screwed up. He's never yelled at his parents. He's never flipped anybody off on the road, okay? Jesus has never treated anyone poorly. Jesus has always done what God told him to do, even when it wasn't fun. Anybody? I'm going to get to that God later after I do the thing I want to do. Jesus never did that. Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And he does that thing. Jesus is also, in John, we learn that Jesus was, has been forever. He was there. He's the one that created the universe. He's the one that everything that you see and touch and feel, he's the one that made all of that. He's also 
smarter than all of us. He knows everything. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He is God. So Jesus rolls up to a blind beggar. Jesus already knows who Bart is. So why does Jesus, the creator of the universe, the knower of everything, the one, if anybody knew how to keep my succulents alive, he knows, right? He knows. If anyone knew what Bart needed, who would it have been? Jesus, right? So why does Jesus ask Bart what he needs? You ever thought about that? Why does Jesus say, what do you want? Come on, Mark. What do you want, Jessica? What do you want, Joni? What do you want, Pat? Now you're all nervous I'm going to say your name. I know, I've been there. What do you want? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. It's all good. I have so much to be grateful for. Everything's good. I don't need anything. No, 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 no. No, I'm good. Because most of us are pretty terrible at loving ourselves. And I'm not talking about where the Bible talks about being a lover of yourself, being a dopamine addict, trying to get the next sensual pleasure. That's not what we're talking about, all right? And I don't even know if we're talking about me time, okay, or treat yourself. I'm not sure that's what we're talking about. We're talking about genuinely loving and caring for ourselves like we're valuable. Why does God ask us, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Is it possible that God trusts you? Is it possible that this trust is a two-way street? We talk about faith in God, but have you ever thought about the fact that maybe God has faith in you? Maybe God thinks you're really smart. Maybe God thinks you know deep down what you need. And God also respects you. And he's going to give you what you want. If you go through scripture, so many times God asks, hey, what do you want? Or, or people say, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he goes, all right, that's not the best thing for you, but I'm going to give you what you want. God trusts us. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. But what about his financial situation? Jesus, why didn't you fix that? Jesus, why didn't you deal with the long-standing grudge that he has against his family that allows him to be a beggar instead of supporting him and they say, oh, Bart's just a lazy old blind guy. Well, if he really wanted to get better, 
I stepping on anybody's toes besides my own? Well, I, I don't really deserve that. Well, is it what you need? I believe that this morning, you have the opportunity to look at the backside, the thing that most of us never look at, that is ultimately determining how we love our neighbor, that is ultimately leading to a culture that says Christians are mostly terrible people. I said something to a gentleman yesterday. His son-in-law wanted to learn guitar and wanted to get involved in church. And, and you know, I said, you know, hey, I know his son-in-law. And I, when I went to school with him, I said, oh, man. And I encouraged him, you know, go get involved, you know, at your church and play. And, you know, nobody's going to judge you at church. And this father-in-law was like, what churches have you been going to? Christians are not kind people. Christians do not have a reputation of caring for people. Christians have a reputation of valuing what we believe over the life that Jesus died for. I believe I don't deserve that. And that translates into I believe they don't deserve that. It is yucky at church today. Come on. So this morning, we're going to try and reverse this. We're going to try and lean into Jesus' commandments. We're going to try and lean in, maybe if it's just for a moment, okay? One of my favorite quotes is, is this leader. He's, he's talking about making the right choice, being a great leader. He says, I want you to think about the greatest, best leader you can think of. And he's like, I'm talking historically, like world-class leaders, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Winston Churchill, you know, just fill in the blank, anybody that is just like, wow, a world-class leader. And he says, what would, just ask yourself this question, what would that leader do in your situation? If Winston Churchill was in your shoes right now, what decisions would a world-class leader make in this situation? And then he goes on to say, you don't even have to take that advice, but at least you know. At least you have gone through the mental exercise of awareness of maybe not what I would do, but what would a great person do? You don't have to follow that advice, but at least you know what a great person would do. What would a child of God want in your situation? What would a great child of God, and we're talking like the people that made it into the book of faith, right? The people who are like the hall of famers. What would they ask for in my situation if Jesus says, hey, Moses, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, Abraham, what would you want me to do for you? Ruth, what do you want me to do for you? Hannah, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, David, King David, who was a terrible person, by the way, right? All of us are better than David. 
I doubt we have all, never mind, we don't have time to get into it, just terrible behavior, okay? And he made it into the Hall of Fame. David, what would you ask for in this situation? Come on. You don't even have to do it. You don't even have to ask for it. You don't even have to close your eyes for five seconds and say, God, so, God, so help me. Help me stay married. In a country that is rocking 50% divorce rate, God, help me stay married. Come on. What do you need? What do you want me to do for you? God, I want you to make me stop thinking about killing myself. God, I need to stop thinking about killing myself. God, I need to make my mortgage this month. God, that's what I want you to do for me. But we don't think about those things, do we? Right? We just try and be nice. We just try and get by. We just take what we deserve and not what we need. So, Kayla, you want to come on up? I'm going to invite you to close your eyes or keep them open. Do whatever you want. Okay? You have a moment right now. You have blocked out your schedule. It's already on your calendar. You're already here. Why not take advantage of this situation right now, okay? Kayla is going to play some just beautiful notes. If Jesus was sitting right next to you right now in the situation that you are in, in the struggle that you are struggling with, in whatever is going on in your world, if Jesus was sitting next to you right now, and he said, what do you want? What do you want? And for right now, we're going to kick aside, I don't deserve that. I'm not worthy of that. That will never happen. I never win the contest. I never get anything good. Why even ask? Because you have a father that loves you. You have a father that knows everything and is all powerful. You have a father that loves you. You have a father that has everything that you need and he is willing and able to provide for you. What do you want? Without shame, without guilt, what do I want? Jesus to do for me.
What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. In John's letter to the church about Jesus, he says this. He says, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he gave everyone the opportunity to be called a child of God. I am, trust me, worse at treating myself than anyone in here, okay? And the only way, the only mental exercise that really helps me is would I allow my son to be put into this situation? No, absolutely not. It's harmful, it's toxic, it's dangerous. How would I behave if my daughter was going through this situation? I love you. I can tell you right now, there's a lot of things that I would not have allowed to happen to me if it had been my daughter. Something changes. There's an innocence that is gained when we realize that we are children. We are children of the living God. So we're going to end on this, and I want you to believe that God is who he said he is, that God is gonna do what he said he was gonna do. And that when he says, when you bless them like this, I will bless them like this. And so this morning I'm gonna pray over you the blessing that God said the priests should pray over my children. And I want you to receive it for yourself. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them. Church, that's it. You are dismissed. Have a great day. Have a great week. I love you, and I hope that as a church we can love ourselves the way that Christ does. Amen? Amen. All right, get out of here. Go enjoy the sun.
changes us, your glory all around us, and we're undone, you open up the heavens, and follow fresh on us, come follow fresh on us, come follow fresh changes us your glory all around us and we come undone you oh